Today is July 4th, 2021. Congratulations to the media in Australia. The Victorian state government in Australia has jailed the leader of a fledgling political party called Reignite Democracy Australia. Nothing from the media except that Monica Smith, the leader, is an activist and incited rallies throughout Melbourne. She disagreed along with many of her supporters with lockdowns and vaccine mandates. You see, Monica Smith was almost as dangerous as Sydney's elevator sneezer. The media went nuts over this criminal sneezer. Stop that sneezing or you'll be arrested. And with spring just starting, with all the allergies, believe me, the jails could be full before you know it. So a warning, do not commit the crime of sneezing. The media, well, they're watching. But if a political party is shut down by the ruling government, nothing is said. You see, her crime was to disagree with the government. Premier Dan Andrews has now been elevated to a very much loved dictator of Victoria's COVID cult. And he needed her to shut up. And at the moment, they have. They've shut her up. George Christensen, MP, on his Facebook page said, Miss Smith will only be allowed out of jail if she shuts down a fledgling political party and the fledgling political party's means of communications, and if she refrains from any discussion around the political issue of lockdowns in Victoria. By the way, George is one of the few that's standing up for our rights, our freedoms and our democracy. Sneezing. Well, the media's got it covered and will expose anyone who sneezes. But when it comes to the truth, that's another story. Maybe the media should understand that democracy and all that it stands for is nothing to be sneezed at.
walk about. I need to check this out. Okay, okay. Help. Yeah, give me, please. While millions have dodged short-term adverse effects, severe vaccine injury is a reality at the mass vaccination drive and must be discussed to promote informed consent and prevent a potential disaster of massive proportions. We know mainstream media fail to expose government lies, becoming liars themselves on the true risks of COVID-19 extended lockdowns and coerced vaccination. Censorous big tech and conflicted fact-checkers have been their conspirators. Today, the Murdoch press openly gloats of the death of so-called COVID-19 sceptics, conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers. Now, this is depraved and despicable journalism. How safe are the vaccines? Angelia DeSalle testified to Louisiana State Senate on May 21, 2021, about her vaccine injury. Look at this. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I wrote all my stuff down because I get memory loss and brain fog. Sure, and just uh, state your name. Sure, I'm Angelia DeSalle. I'm from New Orleans. Um, I'm 45 years old and I was a healthcare worker. I managed a surgery center. On January the 5th, I took my first COVID injection. Three days later, I woke up and I was paralyzed from my legs down. Um, I spent five days in the hospital with not a lot of medical help out there for me. Um, I started having convulsions and seizures and it has been a complete nightmare ever since. Um, I carry a bag of seizure medicine with me now everywhere I go. As you can see, I'm pretty shaky because I've passed that point of taking my medicine today. Um, the NIH has actually finally reached out to me and I'm going to get some help. But this is why I'm sitting here today. My family and friends are not going to take this vaccine. They're scared. My neighbor is sitting right here with me has been my caretaker. These people are scared as what has I have been through. I was a healthy 45 year old woman with no underlying conditions whatsoever. And here I am today. I've lost my job. I can't drive. I'm a prisoner in my own home because I am afraid to go out in the public. You cannot discriminate, just like you were saying, Representative Freeman, about going to a Saints game. My family and friends are scared to take this vaccine. If we want to go to a Saints game, why in the world not let us go to a Saints game because we're not vaccinated? It's not fair. It's just not fair. I'm struggling, guys. Y'all just don't know. And it's real. I have a group of over 300 people just like me that has found me, that has reached out to me. This is real, and it's happening every day. 
And to the lady back here that was the little scientist earlier, Varys, I reported my injuries because Oshner Hospital would not report them on January the 21st. I reported them. Guess how long it was until I got somebody on the phone, March the 5th. They have a backlog that long. 197,000 injuries from this vaccine. I'm not anti-vax. If I was, I wouldn't have taken the thing. I did it to save my parents. They're elderly. I lost my grandfather to COVID. So, Representative Carter, I understand your fears. I totally understand you. Y'all just got to hear us out, the discrimination. All right. Thank you, Mrs. Estelle. Thank you. Okay. Angelia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me today. Look, when you were elected to take the vaccine, were you advised it was experimental under emergency use and of the possible effects? Actually, it's my own fault. I did no research on this vaccine whatsoever. I trusted our leaders. I trusted the media. And when the vaccine was rolled out for healthcare workers in our state, I gladly took my lunch break and I went and took it thinking I was doing my part to stop the pandemic. Um, I was given no informed consent whatsoever. Wow. It was, um, it was a really sketchy situation, if you ask me. The uh, informed consent bit really uh, is of interest because when you have informed consent, it really needs to be informed. And what I can see even today, there is little information on the true extent of this experimental vaccine. Would you agree? Absolutely. Had I known that I was going to have these horrible neurological issues... I would have probably thinking twice about getting the vaccine had I known that I was going to be paralyzed four days later. Mm. You know, lost my job. I mean, mm. that makes a person think instead of just these little flu-like symptoms that they, they're telling you when there are so many more adverse reactions going on with these vaccines mm. than they're leading people to believe. Tell us of your experience following your first dose and the impact it's had on you. Sure. I took my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine on January the 5th. Um, immediately, within two hours, I started having a severe headache. Over the next three days, I had pretty severe flu-like symptoms. At one point, I almost passed out. Um, on the fourth day, around 11.30 at night, I tried to get out of the bed, and I could not use my left leg. I wasn't really sure what was going on. I didn't know if it, it had just like fallen asleep. So I got back in the bed. I told my husband something was not right with my leg. Um, I went on back to sleep. And the next morning when I woke up, I couldn't use either of my legs. They were both gone. Um, that followed by my body shaking out of control. I was not cold, but my entire body was in full body convulsions. I was taken to the ER, from there transported to the hospital. I spent five days in the hospital with no diagnosis, no answers to why my body was going through what it was going through. And fast forward almost eight months later, I'm still dealing with 
the same issues. I've lost the use of my legs three times now since January. Mm, it's just terrible. Um, what about support from the authorities or maybe the vaccine manufacturer? Uh, is that been forthcoming? There's no help. Um, I reached out to Pfizer, the FDA, my state health department. Um, I reached out to the CDC. I have absolutely had no help. And whenever you call and you say, look, especially to Pfizer, when I made that call to Pfizer, I said, you guys know what's in this vaccine. Your scientists created it. They know how to fix me. I'm not looking for your money. I just need medical treatment. And their response to me was like a broken record over and over again. Ma'am, you need to seek medical help with your medical team. I haven't had one physician to actually step up to the plate and help me as of today. I've got a few that's prescribing me some medication. But as far as diagnosing me or trying to help me get my life back to the way it was before this vaccine, I've had no help. As a medical professional... Um, you know, first do no harm. As that medical professional, are, are you greatly, I mean, and I'm, being, I'm keeping this down here, the temperature down a bit, but are you greatly disappointed at the reaction of your professionals? Your, your, I am your, completely your, disgusted. Mm, I have been failed by the medical community. Mm. Failed. I've given 20 plus years of my life to the medical community and I have gotten nothing in return back. Why is this? Doctors are scared. They're scared to come out and say that this is vaccine related. They're scared of losing their license. I've actually seen emails circulating from the state of Louisiana medical department stating if a doctor has any misinformation about the vaccine, that their license will be under review. Doctors are scared. And I don't think that they're only scared. I don't think they know how to treat us. There are thousands of us here in the United States alone that I have found. And none of us have any definite answers. They don't know what to do with us. If you were um, say if you had a, a senior position, this is using your experience, and you had a senior position, say, with government or with a, uh, a hospital group or a health group, what would you do? I would treat that patient. I would treat that patient's symptoms. You have to stand up. Mm. There's just no sense in this. Everyone is being silenced. And... All we're doing is asking for medical help, study us, find out what's causing this, what happened to us, why did we have these reactions. We can't get anyone to even study us or want to help us. Mm. It's just a complete failure in the system. Would you halt the vaccines? Yes. I would. Mm. I would. What effect? do you think vaccine mandates will have on frontline health workers and the services they provide? Well, they're having to be, they're being forced to take something that a lot of them don't want to take. You know, you can get a medical exemption, you can get a religious exemption, but at this point, 
here in the States, it doesn't matter. These people are being forced to do something that they don't feel is right in their heart and they don't feel is right in their mind as well in order to keep their job. That's and not the, America. That's not our free mm, that's not our free country. Do you think though by them rolling over basically and providing vaccinations for the general populace that they should bear some responsibility? I mean it's all very well saying I don't want to do it, but if you do it mm-hmm. and you know the effect is going to have on others, do you think that as a medical professional first of all do no harm? They should just do that and do no harm. You know, this is my thing. If only 2% of us are getting these rare neurological issues, Mm. and that's the latest report come out from the um, American Academy of Neurology and the American Association of Hematology, 2% of vaccinated people are getting severe neurological issues. If it's only 2%, why hide us? Mm. Why not treat us? You know, I think if the vaccine hesitancy is because of the unknown, they're not treating people. If you get this vaccine and you are injured, you are completely on your own financially and medically. There's no Mm. help. What would you like to tell others? Trust your gut. Listen to what your heart and your Mm. mind is telling you. I mean, these vaccines may be safe for some, but some they're not. And my gosh, we do not need to be vaccinating our children. Our children has a 99.9% rate of survival. Why in the world would you want to possibly harm a child when they have such a high survival rate? There's, there's no sense in it. It's a tough life, isn't it? And it's... Um... And for you, it's tougher. Uh, all, all we can do is just watch with interest, uh, say prayers for you, and, um, you. and uh, not much else we can do. But we need the authorities to take responsibility. We need yes. the health profession to start looking after the patients properly and uh, throw away the politics. We'll keep in contact and find out what happens down the track. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. There's no sense of holding me. It doesn't help. Under COVID-19, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the US and other democratic nations have become unrecognisable. How's this occurred? Whose script are these democratically elected governments following? We know the corrupt media is missing in action, but where are the opposition lawmakers? Where are the lawyers? Where are the health and medical professionals? Where are the civil libertarians? Where are the business advocacy groups? Where are the commissioners appointed to protect children and the most vulnerable? Just as lawyer Thomas Renz is doing it in the US, one man who is taking it up to the government in Australia 
is Tony Nikolic, a lawyer with a strong commitment to social justice, human rights and the betterment of society. Tony Nikolic, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Which politicians have responded to your letter seeking an open debate with experts on their COVID-19 mismanagement policies? Uh, it's good to see that it's increasing. Um, and uh, I can, I'll give you some names right now. Um, Craig Kelly, Clive Palmer, George Christensen, uh, Pauline Hanson, Senator Malcolm Roberts, uh, Rod Culloden, Reverend uh, Fred Niles, um, also uh, uh Tanya Davies has um, uh, been very vocal in this area and um, I, I look forward to having further discussions with her. Um, further, I think I've said it before, is um, there, there appears to be a large amount of contempt um, from both major parties, um, federal and state. Um, but I am happy to discuss a lot of this with the um, uh, some of the backbenchers who appear to be nudging um, um, quite uh, vigorously in the background. So I am um, uh, waiting for that to occur. And um, I, I just think as a result of the 7th of July letter um, that I wrote, um, you know, in, in particular, we look at the, um, the uh, Department of Health Statistics, um, you know, concentrating if um, what we should have done is concentrated our efforts on the high risk environment rather than the low risk environment, which is what I, well, I think someone someone called me the other day and, and they said, well, it's a socially constructed emergency. So let's, mm. I'm looking into that right now. I like the one. It's very unsociably constructed, though, isn't it? In, indeed it is. And, it, and, and it's been highly managed. Um, I think it'd be too hard to say that it's a coincidence, right? Um, it's been so highly managed with the various apparatuses of uh, government. I think there are calls here for, um, um, you know, uh, uh, some within the mainstream media um, to actually have a look at what they're really doing out there. Um, and there are some really good journalists, by the way, you know. Um, oh, I'm, yeah. Where? Where? Oh, no, they're, they're starting to come out. I can tell you that now. Um, yeah, they're starting to come out. And, and it's really good to see. I think, mm -hmm. you know, look, what you're doing out there, Mike, and I'm not saying it because I'm on your show, but... I think what you're doing out there for the people is absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, you know, I've done some interviews over in the US and Germany and obviously here and uh, some of the mainstream. And, um, yeah, I, I, look, it's like anything, it starts with a trickle, doesn't it, Mike? Mm. How is your German? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, wunderbar at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, now, we must keep this serious. Uh, late, long night last night. Uh, Australian governments are at war with their own people, which is uh, very sad. As a lawyer... What has been of the greatest concern to you? Well, the, there are a lot of concerns. One is, you know, the, the various declarations that are made by federal and state. And we're seeing a lot of mixed messages, okay? So someone says it's mandated, then it's not mandated. You've got an informed choice. Essentially, what we're hearing, if you just break down all the messages, both state and federal, okay, um, uh, the governments are basically saying this is, uh, we're not responsible if you take the vaccine. The pharmaceutical companies are not responsible if you take the vaccine. Doctors are not responsible for taking the vaccine, uh, for giving you the vaccine. Um, but you're responsible if you take the vaccine. But if you don't take the vaccine, you're not going to have a job, okay? Or you can't cross a state border. That's really in a nutshell, okay? That's the nutshell of the mixed messages. We're also getting very divisive statements. 
um, from state and federal that you know you have this us and them mentality. It's a, it, again, it's mm. a social, it's a social construct of vaxxed and unvaxxed. That mm. is divisive. I cannot see, or I, I could never fathom, an instance where uh, politicians and media would construct a divide in their own society to where people are being banished. It's like that bully in the playground. If you don't agree with me, then no one's going to be your friend. I'm, literally, if you take it back that, you know, development psychology, I, I would have thought that that would have a, a large bearing. Here in, here in Australia, we have that really good tendency of standing up to bullies, okay? And, and that's our tradition. And mm. the other side of the coin, obviously, is we've, we're seeing children being corralled Mm. into big stadiums and look there are some alarming reports I, I won't i don't have any confirmation but there are some alarming reports of children being uh, hurt if not um, passed away so again i want to confirm that and mm. that needs to be verified but we need to have a look at that we're mm. seeing dogs being shot mm. and animals being shot um, we, you know, we're seeing an increase in suicides with children. Um, we have young children, depression. You know, I, I know of people calling me saying, you know, their 12-year-old, 11-year-old son is crying and staying in their room and mm. doesn't want to go out. This is a, this is a product of a denial of their their their, their right to be mm. a child, express mm. themselves in an open democratic society. We have, uh, you know, quite simply, there appears to be, you know, this socially constructed emergency in circumstances where the death rates of COVID and nowhere near other ones such as coronary heart disease and other leading causes of death. Tony, but what about the remedies? Um, you know, because we, we know that the, the social fallout of this is uh, just absolutely horrible, as you mentioned, from a, a, a humanity becoming less human. But what about down to the nitty-gritty of those that are working? What remedies do Aussies, Australians, have against the vaccine mandates or coercive actions by their employers? Now... If um, someone's working in a clothing company and um, uh, there's a whole bunch that have had their, uh, the, the jab and the pressure from up top right down to the very bottom is immense, um, isn't that pressure, isn't that illegal to, one, to have that pressure and you know, it becomes workplace bullying? And isn't the, you know, the, the company to insist that you have this, this vaccine or this substance in your, in your veins isn't that against privacy laws and illegal? Well, there are a number of issues. And obviously, as you know, in law, there are always two sides. But look, if I address this point real briefly, if you look at, for instance, I'll just look at the Victorian uh, Charter of um, uh, Human Rights and Responsibilities Act. Um, that sets out a number of issues where people, you know, such as have a right to life, the right to freedom of thought, conscious, religious, uh, religion, belief, all that sort of stuff, the right not to be subjected to scientific treatment without full, free and informed consent. That's very important. We can't just push that stuff aside, OK? Mm. We also have the international instruments of which we are signatories of, right? Um, and I also look at the other issues such as, you know, the, the right to privacy unlawfully, you know, and arbitrarily interfered with, OK? And that, that strikes at the heart of what we're talking about, right? So um, when it comes to uh, privacy, well, you have the national privacy mm. principles, okay, which obviously talk about your health information being sensitive. That's a much higher standard than just private and confidential. So your, your health and genetic um, information um, can only be released with consent. So a lot of this stuff with PCR testing, as, as flawed as that appears to be, and it appears to be, 
conceded by the CDC and, and the WHO and everyone appears to be coming on board to show that the PCR testing has just inflated statistics to a point to where it's become ridiculous almost. Um, so we've got that. So when it comes down to equality of um, life and things like that, well, everyone does have a right. You can say no, and you can and you can and you can do as I've been saying, hold the line. Okay. Um, at the end of the day. Um, you know, whether something's lawful and reasonable needs to be judged on its own individual circumstances. Now, when we're looking at what's mandated, have a look at the mandates, Mike, and what you're going to find is this, is that the pharmaceutical companies have come out in their own documents and said it does not stop you. So the jab does not stop you from contracting the virus, okay? The research is showing from many countries around the world it doesn't stop you from transmitting the virus. The narrative now in political media circles has become, well, it's there to reduce the symptoms. So it's changed dramatically from a zero-sum game to, oh, well, it's here to manage it. But let's let's take that one step further back. Have a look at this. These companies such as Alan Joyce coming out and, and talking about mandating it for pilots and, and, and things, you know, by, by a certain date, well, essentially, if, if it doesn't stop you from getting it, doesn't stop you from transmitting it, isn't that a concession that they're actually mandating something to introduce it into a super spreader event such as an aeroplane, okay? Um, they're introducing it into healthcare and aged care. So if you're transmitting it and you're being mandated, you're actually being mandated to transport a virus potentially into a vulnerable position. Yeah. That, to me, that screams um, something very alarming, and I think we need to be very concerned about that. And, and, and again, taking this back to... What's happening to children? Um, this is this is a very alarming state of affairs we're in now. Yeah, the uh, I heard someone say that uh, along with the US and other parts of the world, look at New Zealand, look at Australia. It's all, almost mob rule. Uh, all states operating under emergency laws. Now, the emergency laws. Can you clarify to me uh, the difference between emergency laws and martial law? I mean, we have Chairman Dan uh, Anastasia itching to lock down Queensland. Uh, by the time this goes to air, she may have achieved her one of her bucket list list or, or items. Uh, then we have um, pa- uh, Pal- not Palaszczuk, uh, what's her name, Berejiklian in, um, and Health Hazard in uh, New South Wales. Uh, McGowan, who wants to, he's um, actually got a ditch. He's digging this ditch, forget the wall, right around WA so he can become another country, but we've got to look after him at times. But all these, all these wacko premiers, all these power-hungry pr- premiers or politicians, um, have they taken the emergency laws over and made it martial law? Well, I think that's a very good case to, to run uh, in terms of it's a good point to run anyway because the emergency laws, obviously, they're using this uh, what, what, what is potentially a purported health emergency, okay, um, as to run their, their their states in a certain manner where that strips you of your rights and responsibilities, um, in, in particular human rights. Now, if you go back again, look, I know I'm harking back on it, but it, it it really came out at a point in time, I thought, that 7th of July letter, where it, it actually looked at the ICCPR, the International Covenant of Civil Political Rights, in, in particular the Syracuse principles. The Syracuse principles, again, they relate specifically to not derogating from your rights and responsibilities of the people, and they must be a proportional access to human rights, okay? Now, 
it has been disproportionate. Let me give you an example. Um, on Bondi Beach, a very familiar beach here in Sydney, police are walking along the sand checking people's IDs, okay? Um, obviously, there are directives in place and this and that, but we've got that. We've got helicopters going over suburbs, okay, monitoring, you know, uh, you know people's movements. We've got police you know, setting up, you know, roadblocks and, you know, we've got people being, you know, segregated from certain areas, you know, the military and police, um, they, it appears as though they're turning against their own citizens. Mm. Um, now, I'm not saying they're bad people by any sense of the imagination, but what I am saying is, you know, there's a difference between a, a, a decree or an edict and a common sense approach. Now, people aren't out there in the streets throwing Molotov cocktails. They're walking down the street rather peacefully, mm. okay? They're not burning down buildings like we've seen uh, last summer when uh, uh, Mr Floyd was um, uh, 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 yeah, passed away due to police brutality. But what we're seeing is a level of police brutality here in, in, in Australia that really is akin to martial law. And, and if we have a look at the tight controls that are going around Australia, well, we're really, I would have thought, in a really good atmosphere to say that the Syracuse principles in the ICCPR has been ripped up. Our human rights protocols have been ripped up and torn away. We have ministers and commissioners coming out in public actually conceding. What I'm saying may be wrong, but it's a moral obligation. Well, my goodness, if that's mm. if that's not something that harked back to those days where, you know, our Anzacs went and, and died for, then I don't know what is, Mike. Um, how did they get hold of you? Oh, well, they can contact me um, um, office, so it's O-F-F-I-C-E at aflsolicitors.com.au. If I could just say one thing, um, if, just before I go, with respect to some of the cases that are coming out, the, 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 as you know, there was that, uh, the, there's, there appears to be a lot of summary offences where people are going to jail and being held in, in, in isolation for a number of days without access to a lawyer. The, the, this is this is not martial law. This is just this is just almost a dictatorship mm. of which you know we, we have never seen, especially here in Australia. We have people being assaulted for not providing an ID and released without a fine or a charge. So, you know, uh, you know, I've got a young lady who was uh, literally beaten up, um, you know, and taken to the ground by the police. Injuries everywhere. A young lady, um, and um, you know, we have the gentleman who who was alleged to have punched the horse who was held in isolation for how long? Now, they, these, Mike, this is not the Australia we grew up in. Um, just and just finally, on one of the cases that I have, that young kid who was pepper sprayed. Um, for not having a mask. If you actually look at the footage, the police actually attend the site with no mask and start arresting people for no masks. It's more do as I say and not as I do. Indeed. And Dan Bongino, if you know Dan Bongino, Mike, from America, he said he, he made some powerful speeches here. He said this to the Australian people. He said, I, I words to the effect, I wore a uniform mm. and I, I, I represented the police. Um, but... This footage represents something that I've never seen before. And he said, what I want you to do is remember those politicians um, who did this and remember them for a long time. Make sure they never get in. OK, make sure they never get voted in. And remember those police officers that did this to the citizenry for not wearing a mask. The only thing is, and I've got to wrap this up because you'll be late. Uh, got to, the only thing is, though, uh, we get rid of one mob. The other mob looks like they're just as bad, if not worse. So it's... Um, Maybe we should all be visiting our local our local boat builder, and uh, we could put a sail up and head somewhere else. 
Well, you heard of uh, Craig Kelly coming on and um, leading the United Party, um, United Australia Party, so that may be a little ray of hope. And like I said, I named a lot of um, politicians mm. and senators early, earlier, and hopefully, you know, they, they show a line, a, a ray of hope, and um, let's see if some of the uh, backbenchers have some spine and um, actually start to really stick up for our civil and human rights. You'd be uh, experienced in this, but on that note, I think the jury's still out on that backbone bit. Maybe as Alan Jones would say, a dose of concrete. Uh, Tony Nicklick, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mike. Take care.